Hello and welcome to Grace Life Ministries, a disciple-making family of churches focused on the reality of Christianity. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your revelation of Jesus and increase in fruitfulness in your life. The reality of our redemption. We're going to be talking about redemption. Redemption means a price to pay. Why are we looking at this? Because a lot of people don't understand these things and so then they don't have the fruitfulness in their life. Like we said last week, a lot of Christians don't know their Bibles. Uh, uh, Muslims know the Quran better than Christians know the Bible. And it's a, a shame. And so we need to know these things if we're wanting to have fruitfulness in our lives. Okay? So the word redemption refers to the price that's been paid. And why this is important is because it's, um, a lot of people don't realize that the price paid determines our value. And so we look at what was paid, Jesus on the cross, His blood, His life, and we see that, wow, it means I'm worth something. I'm valuable. Okay? And um, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 See if we've got it. Yes, we do. So, for there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man, uh, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So here we see that he gave himself as a ransom. Okay, that's, that's speaking about redemption. That's speaking about the redemption that he came to, 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 to get for us. Okay, we were bought back. The word ransom... It's translated from the Greek word lutron, which implies price paid. So Jesus is the price paid for you and for me, for the whole world. So it shows the value of even the unbeliever. A lot of Christians don't value unbelievers. Unbelievers are valuable. Okay? They are, Jesus referred to them in a parable as the pearl of great price. You know, like you find a, a, a pearl in the field, not a pearl, sorry, treasure. You find treasure in a field, you sell the whole, uh, you, everything you've got to buy the field, to buy the world, to be able to find the treasure. It's so important that we see the, them as treasure. Okay? You know, I was uh, uh, one who used to kind of want to hold my breath around unbelievers <laughs> because I didn't want to breathe their demons in. That's not valuing unbelievers. You know, I would kind of like, uh, if, if a Muslim touched me, I would freak out. You know, whereas, you know, that, that's just the wrong perspective completely. Okay, and that comes because of ignorance. The blood of Jesus was the price paid for our sin. Okay, this is talking about redemption now. Okay, the blood of Jesus is the price paid. This is the free gift for us. Okay, and it, uh, it is in Christ, it is Christ Himself. By His death, He redeemed us from sin. By His death, uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, next verse, please. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the first thing I want you to see there is that He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So we have been redeemed. We have redemption. Okay. The second thing I want you to see, which is that um, the reason why we've been redeemed is that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us, which is the promise of the Spirit. So now we have the Spirit of God, which is the fulfillment of the promise from the beginning. Okay? The price paid on our behalf 
is Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. It says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God brought, uh, bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. That's quite a, a powerful verse, because Paul's writing to Christians. He's writing to Christians who are mixed up in a whole bunch of sin and a lot of wrongdoing, and he's saying, hey, you don't belong to yourself, so you can't actually make those decisions to do whatever you want. You know, you need to make decisions to honor God with your body, with your life. Okay, so it's a good, you know, we might not be acting like the church of Corinth, but we, we can ask ourselves the question of how can I honor God in my life? Am I honoring God in my life and with my life? Okay, we were bought at a price, thus our redemption is in Christ. So you cannot have redemption apart from Christ. There's no redemption outside of Jesus Christ. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In whom we have through... Uh, um, and it's all blank in there. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. His grace implies it was freely given. Okay, grace implies a free gift, freely given. Okay, the forgiveness, and it, it's the forgiveness of sins available through the riches of His grace. So the good news is, the wind isn't going to blow the building over. So don't worry about it. The, the better news is, is that we have forgiveness of sins because of His free gift. We have forgiveness of sins because of His free gift. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12, Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be part, partakers of the inheritance of the, light in, uh, of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness. I love that part because so many Christians think that the devil's got them. The devil's their biggest problem. The devil's not your biggest problem. Your ignorance is. Okay? This is showing us that we have been delivered from the power of darkness. So as a Christian, there's no power of darkness in your life. What seems like the power of darkness is just ignorance. That's why we looked at last week and the week before the importance of the Word and how, you know, the biggest problem in a Christian's life is that we don't know the Word. That we, 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 we're ignorant or we believe lies. And Jesus said in John 8, 32, You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. He didn't say, you'll know spiritual house cleaning and you'll be free. Or you'll know deliverance ministry and you'll be free. He said you'll know truth. Okay? Now there's a lot of things to unpack there which I'm not going to get to that. I'm just uh, throwing it out for fun. Verse 13. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood. So because of His blood, in Christ we have redemption. Even the forgiveness of sins. In redemption, we have forgiveness of sins. You're completely forgiven. You know, this, is, this uncovers, this verse uh, exposes one of the lies a lot of Christians believe. And that is that when you do something wrong, you've got to ask God for forgiveness. You don't have to because you're forgiven. Now, you shouldn't aim to do something wrong. And if you do something wrong, you should you know, have some remorse and say sorry or whatever. But what I'm showing you is that you're living in forgiveness. 
You're not living trying to obtain forgiveness. You're in forgiveness. This doesn't say that you'll get forgiven. It says you have forgiveness in redemption. Okay? God did not request a, a, a change of heart from us before He gave us forgiveness. God did not request repentance before He gave us forgiveness. Repentance comes before salvation. A change of heart. But you're already forgiven. We'll look at a verse or two on that just now, in a, in a sec. But um, He obtained eternal redemption for us through His blood. This is what we need to see. Watch this. It says eternal redemption. Now focus, if we look through some verses, focus in on eternal. Focus in on everlasting. Those kind of words. Okay? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. It says, So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not with the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. So once and for all time and secured our redemption forever. The King James Version says eternal redemption. So this is saying it's something eternal. It's not something temporal. I don't know about you, but growing up as a Christian, I, I had in the front of my Bible many uh, uh, commitment cards. <laughs> Some of them, most of them were blank. Because, you know, when I made a mistake, I needed to recommit and then I put a new date that I got born again again. And then, I wish I'd kept all of those. It was quite funny. You know, because then it, you would see how many times I got saved. That's why I'm so holy. <laughs> I'm joking. It just shows you ignorance. Because this says, the moment you receive salvation... You're saved. You can't get unsaved. This is good news for you. Some people get upset about this because they, they want people who don't hold on to their salvation to go to hell. But this is good news. If you're saved, you can't get unsaved. Okay? Salvation is, or redemption is, a release from sin. Sin cannot, now, now obviously you can make mistakes. You can sin. You can miss the mark. But that sin nature, that sin uh, can't jump on you and change your nature from righteousness of God now to sinner. You can't become a sinner again. You are righteous now. <coughs> you were born again. You can't undo that you were born right now. You can kill yourself. <laughs> you can get killed, but you can't undo that you were born. Okay? You, 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 you can't undo being born again. You believe and you're born again. Okay? Salvation is based on three facts. Jesus' death, Jesus' burial, and Jesus' resurrection. Okay? And because of His death, burial, and resurrection, we have redemption. His resurrection is proof that the price has been paid for sin to give us redemption. To give us forgiveness of sin. Okay? The resurrection of Jesus confirms the work of redemption. Hebrews 5 verse 9. Look at this. And being made perfect, he became the author of temporary salvation unto all uh, uh, them that obey him. It doesn't say temporary. It says eternal. Okay? It's not fickle salvation. doesn't mean you make a mistake tomorrow morning when you wake up and you've got to go and do confession. 
You have to go and, 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 and pay some price in order to get saved because the blood of Jesus paid for you once and now you've got to pay for you if you make another mistake. It doesn't work like that. If you're saved, you're saved. If you're redeemed, you're redeemed. You can't undo that. Salvation is forever. And Christ is the one that keeps you in your salvation. <coughs> Christ is the one who keeps your salvation. But look at this verse. There's an important thing there. And He became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey Him. This is showing us that obedience is important. Okay? Obedience is important. But let's look at what does it mean to obey Christ. Okay? What does it mean to obey Christ? Romans chapter 10 verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Many people misunderstand this verse because like we said last week, they take things out of context. You can't take this one verse and think that in a car accident you shout the name of Jesus and you're fine. doesn't work like that. Okay, there's many unbelievers who take on the name of Jesus and they're not saved. Why? The context explains this to us. Okay, now if we look back a few verses, verse 9 and 10, it explains what calling on the name of the Lord is. It says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So here we see that it's heart belief. You've got to believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead to make you right with God, to make you righteous. And if you believe that, then you declare, you confess, you accept Jesus is who He says He is. He is God. He is the Son of God. He is uh, your Savior. Okay? Then if we go down to verse 14 and 16, no, 14 to 16, it says, how then shall they call on Him? How do we call on Him? By heart belief and mouth confession. There's a, 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 a partnership between your, what you believe in your heart and what you're saying, what you're accepting with your mouth. Okay, it's not just, oh Jesus, you know, before a, a rock falls on you and now you're saved. Or before your airplane crashes. No, 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 no. You've got to believe the gospel. You've got to believe the gospel that He died and rose again to make you right. If you don't believe that, you're not saved. No matter how you paint a different picture. That's the only way to salvation is believing that His death, His burial, and His resurrection made you righteous. Made you able to access eternal life. If you don't believe that, then you believe a lie. Okay? So this is, how shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? So you cannot get saved unless you've, have, you've heard a message. That's why preaching for all of us, with the, we've all got the message of reconciliation. We've all got to be able to share this truth with people. Okay? How shall they believe in whom, in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. That, and bring glad tidings of good things. Next verse. Verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? 
They have not all obeyed the gospel. And then he says, who has believed our report? So obeying the gospel, obeying Jesus, is believing the gospel. It's not following some sets of instructions. Obedience to the gospel, obedience to Christ, is faith in who he is and what he's done for us. Romans chapter 10 verse 16 from the New Living says, <clears throat> but not everyone welcomes, I like how it says welcomes, instead of obeying, welcomes. Obedience to the gospel is welcoming the gospel into your heart, welcoming this truth. Not everyone welcomes the good news, for Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? Now last week I, I told you, from, Genesis, uh, um, from Matthew to Revelation, there's nothing new. Any doctrine you can find in the Old Testament, uh, um, what's it? Genesis to Malachi, okay. And in Gen if you read any of Paul's writings, Peter's writings, John's writings, whatever, even what Jesus said, the record of what he said, it's all rooted in Genesis to Malachi. Jesus never goes. Let's find a great teaching today. He never comes up with something new. He's always teaching from the Torah. He's always teaching from the Torah. Why didn't he teach something new? Because then he would have been a lawbreaker. And he himself said, I didn't come to uh, break the law or abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So he could not be contrary to the law. Okay? You, you, now, now, if you read this verse, go on to the next slide, please. Those, oh, it's not there. But those are quotations. What we just read on the previous slide there are quotations from the Old Testament, from Isaiah. So, you'll see it. I've, I've written some of the, the things in the, um, in the notes there. But we have eternal redemption. This eternal redemption was prophesied about from Genesis already. But it's fulfilled in Christ. Okay, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 22. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 22 says, Therefore, this is 25, it's good. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. So you can see, this is talking about a forever salvation. Jesus saves forever because he's risen and he's alive today. Okay, why is this encouraging? Because now I don't have to sustain my salvation. Now I don't have to make it work myself. Amen? I don't have to, uh, I just need to trust in Him. 1 John 2 verse 1 says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sinneth, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sins, the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for us, but the sins of the whole world. The key there, He is the advocate before the Father. What does this mean? It means that He is uh, uh, continuously speaking well of us, continually in favor of us because we've obeyed the gospel, because we've believed His message. Okay? Therefore, this is important, therefore, we would not be judged for sin ever. You, you'll never be judged for sin, and you'll never be condemned for it. You'll never be condemned or judged for sin. Why? Because Jesus was for you. 
That, that's the gospel. Okay? Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I might uh, kill uh, someone's uh, favorite thought here. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I don't know if I got into this last week, but I got into it somewhere. <laughs> and I'll get into it again for fun. Yes, this is showing us that now, because you're in Christ, you'll never be condemned for sin. You'll never be condemned to hell for sin. Go and read the context. Okay? I used to take this verse, and many people still take this verse, and have this idea of, I should never feel bad. I should never feel condemned. If you do something wrong, you should feel bad so that you can change. If you hurt someone, I hope you feel condemned. Not by God. God's not condemning you in the sense of He's not giving you a ticket to hell. He's not pushing you to hell. That's condemnation that this is talking about. But this isn't saying that now you never have to feel bad as a believer. If you do something wrong, you should feel bad. <laughs> if you do something wrong, you should feel bad. Okay? Now don't stay there. Don't live there. Change your mind. Thank Him for forgiveness. Change. Move on. Grow. But if you, keep, if you keep making the same mistake again and again and you're not growing, you're not condemned for hell for it. But if it's affecting people around you, you should feel bad for it. Otherwise, there's no love in your heart. You don't love people if you don't have a problem with hurting them. <laughs> Amen? I, I was encouraged by that. There's no remembrance of sins in salvation. This is what this verse is talking about. He's not remembering your sins. You should not feel guilty. You should not feel shameful. You should be able to stand. Righteousness is standing before God without any sense of inferiority. Because you are His righteousness. But now if you do something wrong, if you hurt somebody, if you were to rape somebody, you should feel condemned. Not to hell, because you're forgiven, but you should feel bad and you should be make, wanting to make right. We've, we've, there's a lot of confusion around this verse which needs to be set right. Okay? The gospel isn't a ticket for you to feel good all the time. The, the gospel is the answer for you to be righteous and to live righteously. Not for you to feel good all the time. We should feel good because we are righteous, but when we do something wrong, we shouldn't put a label over it and say, it's okay, God's not condemning me. No, he's not condemning you to hell, so that's great. We always used to have this joke in Bible college when uh, someone did something wrong in the house that, um, uh, don't worry, God doesn't condemn you. I do, but he doesn't. <laughs> that, that's also what this verse is kind of saying. God doesn't condemn you, but other people will. And you can't say to them, you can't condemn me because I'm in Christ Jesus. No, 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 the judge, if you go before a judge in the court, and he says, you know what, you stole. Lucas, you stole this car, now you're going to have to go to jail for it. The judge can't say you have to go to hell for it. He can say you have to go to jail for it. You are condemned to jail. But God will never say you're condemned to hell for stealing. Because you've received Jesus and you've been forgiven and you've been set free from the, the consequences of your actions in that regard. Okay? Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8 to 12. But when God found fault with the people, He said, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them out by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. 
They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. Next verse. But this is the new covenant. I will make with my people of Israel on the day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people and they will not need to teach their neighbor nor they uh, need to teach their relatives saying you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. That last verse is key there. I will never again remember their sins. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17 echoes this. And it says, their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. That is a quotation from Jeremiah 31 verse 34. So the, the writer of Hebrews is taking a truth from the book of Jeremiah, one of the prophets, and he's showing us the fulfillment of it. Because of Jesus, we are forgiven and God is not remembering sin. Okay? The new birth gives you the gift of not being condemned to hell. And yet there's a lot of Christians who feel fearful of hell for whatever reason. All those reasons are just ignorance. All of them are just deception. For whatever reason we think wrong, we believe wrong, and so we're in fear about what's going to happen to me when I die, if I die, whatever. When this is, the, the new birth gives you this gift of eternal security. Eternal security. Okay, all that Christ has done, <clears throat> he did forever. And now he's seated at the right hand of God. All that he's done, he's done forever. Okay, do I have Hebrews 10, 12 to 14 there? The next verse, yes. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. You see it there again. Once and for all. It's eternal salvation. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Next verse. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies he made his footstool. By the one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. For by one offering, his, his life, his body, he has perfected forever them that are being sanctified. Okay? We have eternal salvation. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, look at this. This is really awesome. It says, let your manner of life be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, I want you to observe the phrase there, I will never. It shows a commitment from God to you. He's never going to leave you. So that means you can never do anything to upset him so much that he would just leave you could never do something so bad that he would be like, I'm done with you. Liam, I'm just fed up. <laughs> Cheers. You know, and he's gone. It doesn't work like that. He's never, ever going to leave you. The other thing that this verse shows us, which is important, it says, be content with such things as you have. Okay? Someone who's got nothing has nothing to be content about. <laughs> 
Someone who's on the street with nothing has nothing to be content with. Maybe the, the shirt that's got holes in it and on the back and maybe a cardboard box that they've got that they can sleep under. Can you get, you get what I'm saying? This isn't talking about your material uh, possessions. This isn't talking about your material possessions. Be content with your cardboard box and your bottle of water which is dirty because you got it out of the drain. This is like that, that, don't be content with that. You need a better life than that. You need to get better than that. Amen? Nobody wants to live there. Some people have to. We don't want to. Be content with what you have. What do you have? Him. Be content with what you have. Christian. You're a Christian. You're a believer. You've got the Spirit of God living in you. That should be what you're content with. Obviously, there's a place for contentment with regards to your house. And do you need a fourth TV? Or do you need a bigger car? Like, there's, there's, there's things we can talk to in all of that. But this verse is not talking about that. This verse is talking about you need to learn to be content with what you've got. Eternal salvation. Eternal life. The Spirit of God dwelling in you forever. He's never going to leave you. That should make you more, uh, content more than anything else. Okay? The phrase, I will never, shows a commitment to you. That's what you've got. That's what you've got. If you've got nothing else, that's what you can be content with. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. <coughs> says, But ye are come, from, come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and, uh, uh, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. To the spirits of just men made perfect. Describing our eternal redemption. Okay? The price has been paid once and for all. So that you could be perfect forever. As a believer, you're perfect forever. You might make some mistakes, but God's not condemning you for those mistakes. Amen? Other people might, but God's not. Okay? You're not condemned to hell. When we, when we see that word condemned in um, uh, Romans chapter 8, we need to think of hell. We mustn't think of feeling bad. There's no condemnation to hell for the believer. Don't think of feeling bad because you did something wrong. That's a different story. Okay? Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15. And for this cause he is the mediator of, a new of the New Testament by the means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament. They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Eternal inheritance. That's uh, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15. Eternal is the opposite of temporal. I know that's, that's uh, deep. But eternal means forever. It means everlasting. It means something that lasts. You've got eternal life. It lasts forever. You've got eternal redemption. It lasts forever. Okay? Those that have believed in Christ receive eternal inheritance because of the once and for all payment of Jesus. This should make us extremely excited about our faith in Christ. Even if we don't have much, we've got Him. <laughs> 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Going to knock another horse here. 
The very God of peace sanctify you holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body may be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calls you, who will also do it. Amen. How many times have we used that scripture wrong? You have someone studying for whatever they're studying for. And they're like, God's called you to this. He's called you. He's faithful. He will perform it. Rubbish. You must do it. You must study. You must get good marks. You must pass. Just because God called you to do something or be somewhere doesn't mean He's going to do it. He called you to do it, not Him. This is talking about sanctification. He'll do it. <laughs> You've got to look at the context. This is what He promised to do for you. To keep you blameless. To keep you sanctified. He didn't promise to, you know, I called you to have a house, now I'm going to give you a house. No, 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 no. What, he is, <laughs> what we have in Christ is eternal. The house that you live in is temporary. <laughs> That's another story. This is not a prayer. Paul, Paul is saying there, I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body. But it's not a prayer. Because we cannot pray for sanctification. Sanctification, being made holy. You cannot ask God to make you holy because He's already done it. This verse is rather affirming the faithfulness of God to keep us holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, and holy, H-O-L-Y, and safe, S-A-F-E. <laughs> Amen? So it's showing us His ability and His faithfulness to keep us to the end. Faithful is He who called you and He will do it. He called you to holiness. He called you to righteousness. And He will uphold your righteousness and your sanctification and your holiness forever. Okay? That's what He's promising. In the four Gospels, we see Jesus talking, uh, uh, teaching the same truth. John chapter 5. Verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation to hell. Okay? I had to tuck a lot of my favorite teachings based on condemnation with this one. <laughs> when we believe, when we hear the word, when we believe the word, we get everlasting life and we will never come into condemnation because we've passed from death to life. Okay? The believer will never be condemned because we have eternal life. This eternal life is when we pass from, from death to life. And then you're never condemned from that moment on. John 10, 28. And I will give them eternal life. Look at the results of eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Jesus is saying, hey, I can hold you. You know, we have this, 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 this song uh, 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 from the 90s. Uh, uh, my, Jesus, what's it? Jesus, lover of my soul. Jesus, I will never let you go. Which is a lie. I mean, we sing a lot of lies. Christians love singing lies. You know, Jesus, I'm faithful to you to the end. I'm never going to let you go. Really? <laughs> it's much more important to speak about the faithfulness of Him to never let you go, because that's what Scripture says. He will never let you go. Okay? Jesus is making an absolute statement here. No one shall ever pluck you from my hand. 
including Satan. Including Satan. Satan can't do that to you. Okay? Your salvation is total and complete. You need to have this truth established in your mind and in your heart. That I am so secure, nothing can change this. Because there will be days when you don't feel saved. But we don't go by what we feel, we go by what the, the Word says. There'll be days when you don't feel like a Christian, when you feel like God's far. The Word says that He's not far. He's always with you. You're one with Him. He's dwelling in you. We need to be established in these truths because challenges come, and if we go by feelings, then, then you're going to be shaken. The believer is eternally secure in Christ. Matthew 28, 20. This is part of the Great Commission, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, to the end of the world. Amen. You know, we, we, we need to teach these truths so that believers would be established in these truths so we can be fruitful in these truths. A lot of Christians aren't secure because they think that if they step out of line, God's going to punish them. God's going to condemn them. Okay? And when I say they're not secure, I'm not just talking about securing their salvation. If you're not secure in your salvation, you're not going to be secure in this life. You're not going to be secure in relationships. You're not going to be secure in joy. You're not going to have peace. A lot of people who uh, uh, end up in, I remember one of our lecturers saying this, that he, he did a study and a lot of people in mental asylums in the United States are there as, and they are religious. They believe that, they, obviously they hear voices and all that type of stuff, but they believe that, that, that God is being cruel with them or judgmental towards them or God is holding something against them and if they don't do this, then they will get that. You know, they, they kind of have a very legalistic view of God and that's what legalism will do to you. That's what religion will do. It will literally drive you nuts. Okay? So we need to be taught the truth so that we can be secure in the truth so that we can have fruitfulness in the truth. Yeah, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We are members of the household of God. That's who we are. Okay? That's who we are. Philippians 3 verse 20 says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Next, uh, I think I've got another translation of this. The NLT says that we are citizens of heaven. So this is showing... Us, conversation is translated from the word that means citizenship. Your citizenship is in heaven. Okay? Your citizenship cannot be revoked. Your citizenship is secure. You can never lose your citizenship even if you don't have a passport. I don't have a passport to heaven. <laughs> it's, my, it's, 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 it's a spiritual matter, right? Okay? Our salvation is secure. And when we as believers stand in that assurance, we will see fruitfulness in our lives. That's what gives you confidence to pray and see results. If you're, if you're insecure, wondering, am I saved today? Or did I, do I need to get saved again, born again, again, again? You know, if, if, if you're living in that kind of insecurity, you can't pray with boldness and confidence. You can't approach God in prayer and, and enjoy Him because you don't know if... Am I, am I on his good side or his bad side today? He hasn't got a bad side. But you don't know that because you maybe aren't secure in the truth of the word. This shows us, I mean, these are the kind of things that we need to be established in ourselves 
and then we need to help other people get established in. Because if they don't know this, they won't live fruitful lives. 1 Peter 1, 18-20 from the New Living Translation says, For you know that God paid a ransom. This is talking about redemption. He's redeemed you forever. Okay, He paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Isn't that good news? You had an empty life before you came to Christ, before you received Him. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of, G of, of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose Him as your ransom long before the world began. Now, in these last days, He has been revealed for your sake. Uh, Revelation 5, 9-10 from the Passion, says, <clears throat> And they were all singing this new song of praise to the Lamb. Because you were slaughtered for us, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seal. Your blood was the price paid to redeem us. So, if you're not convinced that Jesus died and rose again, you can't be saved. You need to be established in that truth because that's what secures, or, uh, uh, um, secures your salvation. That's what secures your salvation. That's what bought your redemption. You purchased us to bring us to God out of every tribe, language, people group, and nation. You have chosen us to serve our God and formed us into a kingdom of priests who reign on this earth. So you weren't just redeemed for redemption's sake. You were redeemed for a purpose. I mean, look at that. It says it there. You purchased us to bring us to God. So the purpose of redemption was to, so that we could be brought to God, so that we could have this intimate relationship with Him, so we could be one with Him, so that, next verse, you have been chosen, you have chosen us to serve our God and form a kingdom of priests who reign on the earth. Your purpose is to serve God by being a priest in this earth. Okay, not necessarily standing up front in a robe and, and uh, doing some rituals and things like that. It's got nothing to do with that. Being a priest is where you're ministering unto God through your life, which is worship. And then it's also you ministering unto man from God. So you receive and out of the overflow of what you receive, you're ministering to other people. I mean, think about it. John 10, 10. The Passion puts it beautifully. It says that I've come to give you life abundant to the full until you overflow. God's desire is that you would overflow. So, you know, I receive this life, the eternal life, not temporary life, the Spirit of God to live inside of me for eternity. And then God's desire is that eternal life starts to become a wellspring, a rivers of living water flowing from within me, like John 7 says. So that it would impact and refresh and bless and touch other people. If a Christian truly knows who they are, they cannot not impact other people. We, 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 we become contagious when we know who we are and what we've got. When we start to overflow. The believer's redemption is in the blood of Christ. It's in Christ Himself and it's for eternity. You will never, ever, ever, He will never, ever let you go. He will never drop you. You cannot outsin your salvation. You cannot uh, uh, reject your salvation. 
doesn't matter how much you want to reject your parents that you were born to, they're your parents. Doesn't matter how, you know, you can do it legally and all of that, but the DNA tells you otherwise. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing with us. We're born again, the DNA, the spiritual DNA says otherwise. And the only reason you would want to reject maybe salvation is because of stupidity, let me be nice and say rather ignorance, because you don't know something. Because you misunderstand something. Because you think God killed someone when He didn't because He has nothing to do with that stuff. See, the truth of the Word needs to be taught so that we don't get into those things of misunderstanding God and our hearts harden towards Him. Your heart will never harden towards God if you know who He is. If you know who He truly is. You know, and there's testimonies in this room, many, of people going through challenges, people going through trials and difficulties, and, you know, I, I love the, 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 the testimonies that you don't ever blame God for it. Because, you know, he's not part of that. Did God rip your arm apart then? <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did, did God cause you to go to hospital? No. Did God cause you to have a, 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 an accident on the way when we were driving last week? It wasn't an accident, really. It was just the car malfunctioning. No. Why does a car malfunction? Because it's a car. Because it's, 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 it's created by man who's imperfect. It can't last forever. It's not created to last forever. Okay, why does your, 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 the, the light bulb you know, go out when you're busy reading your Bible? Is it the devil trying to be on your case and challenge you and say, oh, I don't want you to read the Bible. So the light bulb pops and now you're cry crying and you're upset because the devil's attacking me. But that's ridiculous. I know I'm sharing your testimony now, Jamie, but... <laughs> I'm joking, it wasn't. This is a fictitious... Uh, but the truth is, is like, if you know that God is good and everything that He does for you is good and it's never going to be bad, then you look at a situation like that as like, ah, oh, I have to buy a new light bulb. You don't think, oh, why is God doing this to me? Or did I sin so that the devil can touch me? It's ridiculous. It doesn't work like that. Ever. Okay? It might seem like that in your life because you believe that. And if you change your thinking... And you think good, you think the right stuff, you meditate on truth. Jesus said, it will set you free when you come to know the truth. Amen. Amen. So Father, I want to thank you for the truth of your word that we are eternally secure, forever redeemed, that nothing, no one can ever take us from your hand, that we cannot outsin our salvation. We can harden our hearts towards you, Father, but that's only because we're focused on lies or we're not focused on the truth. Thank you, Father, that, that, that if we just focus in on you, or let me say this first, thank you that you're not ever hardening your heart towards us. Your intentions for us, your heart towards us is always only good. We thank you for that, Father. Thank you for your goodness, Father. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you that you have said, I will never forsake you. Thank you that that's a... a, a <laughs> An absolute promise, an absolute guarantee. We can never be separated from you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yeah, even when we feel like we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear the evil because He is with us. He is not the evil. He is not causing the evil. But He is with us. He is the good in amongst the evil. That is there to help you resist the evil. To see the evil go. Because He loves you. 
Father, I just thank you that whatever evil anybody in this room might be going through, anybody online might be going through right now, I thank you that they would stop looking at the evil and start focusing on you with them. That you will never let them go. You will never drop them. You will never forsake them. That you are faithful to keep them saved until the end. To keep them sanctified until the end. To keep them right with you until the end. Nothing that we can do can make us unright with you, Father. That's good. That's so good, Father. We thank you for that amazing truth, that amazing security that we have in you, which gives us boldness to come before your throne of grace, which gives us boldness to come and ask and receive. If you'd like to get hold of us or to obtain more free teachings, you can visit us online at www.gracelife.co.